Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. My name is Miles Chupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95-mile-an-hour bowling, England-playing, World Cup-winning, Northumberland-hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. To the Chels. It's another weird week. Oh my lord, there's so much to talk about, there's so much to take in. The European Super League blew up and then blew out. Then we had Brighton, then we had the the wonders of winning away at West Ham. Where do we start with all? Well, we should start by seeing how my old friend Mr. Andy Saunders is. How are you, Andy? Have you been having a nice quiet time? Well, yeah, I guess. I'm, I'm in bits, actually, because I, I played some cricket over the weekend and I'm just getting too old. But apart from that, I'm in good spirits. Did you win? Won one, lost one. And uh, it's fine. It's all pre-season. Our league season doesn't start until May the 8th. So it's just, they're just little runarounds, really. But they're, they're fine. It's good fun. It's nice to be out and about, you know, just doing something in the you know, relative sunshine. Still a bit chilly. Um, and getting some fresh air and interacting with other grown-up people. It's just, it's just a nice thing. I have to yeah. say, 
Yeah, and it's all about getting your eye in, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, because, you know, you're, you are a little bit rusty after the, uh, after the long lockdown that we've been through. Yeah, excellent. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you got out there. I mean, oh, just blue skies around. It's been lovely. I've, I've been standing in rivers for most of the last week. Okay. Started a project. And you haven't been arrested? No, no, no. This was just purely recording people at work trying to um, make our rivers better quality and and looking at the issues that face a lot of our waterways in the country so well, i hope you spoke th- to some farmers with their bloody agricultural runoff because you know they they're a major problem oh well th- this is the, the very interesting part of it as well you know when you start reading all the um uh, all the different uh, uh, chemical reports on what goes into the waters it's a it's a yeah dangerous business and really causing huge issues but we will be working on that through the summer through the spring and the summer and we will be reporting on it so yeah, yeah i'm kind of enjoying that and meeting lots of very very interesting people who care about the world around us that's good i'm actually i actually uh you know i do a little bit of fly fishing and i'm a member of a small syndicate on the river glaven which is a very small river in north norfolk uh, trout river and we've got a couple of miles uh, a stretch of river and the big problem we have with that little stretch of river is the agri runoff because not because it poisons the water but because it causes the weed growth to grow exponentially and clogs up the water so it, i mean it's, that's why i mention it it's such an issue you know that the fertilizer and the you know the, the stuff that they put on the fields is is just causing these sort of other, not not necessarily toxic and poison issues, but other issues with rivers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's all about your phosphates and your sulfates. Um, and all so the other it, fates. Yeah, yeah. Well, is it our fate to get the waters back to where they should be? That's that's what we're hoping. But Don't get me started on the dredging of chalk streams either. You know. Oh, don't worry, I won't, because I know... <laughs> I know, I'm starting to learn. that's really boring. <laughs> it's really boring, but I know it's a big issue as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just to say, we're going to go and see a load of trout being um, put into the river next week, which nice. should be quite exciting. Yeah. 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 So yeah, lots of different locations and being released and yeah. see how long it takes for the poachers to catch yeah. them, And don't get me started on signal crayfish either, but you know. I'm not going to get you started on signal crayfish either. (laughs) Absolutely no way. Do you know, quite interestingly, we found um, uh, freshwater shrimp in in the rivers. There's there's quite a lot of them. But there are now invasive species, one called the devil shrimp, and then the worst one called the killer shrimp. Killer shrimp. I've heard of the killer shrimp. Devil shrimps and killer shrimps. I can't even say it's too scary. (laughs) Devil Shrimp. Wasn't that a Cliff Richards song? So this anyway. is for what? A radio programme or a podcast? A, a podcast series okay. where right. we're, we're, going to, we're going to travel the length of the River Welland from source to mouth. So from Northamptonshire across 65 miles of, of territory and out to the wash. Nice. So, we'll keep so us yeah. informed of your progress. I will. I will indeed. OK, so look, I suppose we should probably start with that thing the European Super League, mm. which has caused... When we talked about it last week, it was breaking, and I said, I'm not going to renew my season ticket if Chelsea go into it, and it is what we think it is. And we were talking about what it could be. And through that day, it became quite apparently clear 
there was a very nasty situation and something that was actually challenging football as we knew it properly. Um, were you surprised at how huge the reaction was from fans, from media, from uh, newspapers, from journalists, pretty much everyone across the board in Europe or on this side of, of the pond certainly was outraged by what was going on with the European Super League. Mm. Yeah, I, I, look, was I surprised? No, of course not. I think that everybody had made it very clear from the moment that it was mooted. And of course, this is not the first time it's been mooted. This is, you know, this idea of a European Super League has kind of been floating around like a bad smell for some years now. I mean, when this started to coalesce into some sort of reality, the, the fan reaction and the media reaction, and I have to say the reaction from people that wouldn't call themselves fans but have an innate sense of fairness and an innate sense of how things should be, um, the reaction was pretty unanimous, wasn't it? It was this idea that a bunch of very rich football clubs can create a closed shop league where they will never be relegated just goes against any sense of natural justice. So no, I wasn't at all uh, surprised by the reaction. Um, and I did say on the podcast last week that I didn't, I didn't think this would happen. And, and, and if it did happen, it would take an awful long time because there were so many barriers and hurdles to overcome. Um, and I will say this, that it was great to see football fans voicing their reactions. It was great to see uh, fans getting off their backsides and going down the Fulham Road and standing outside Stamford Bridge and telling the hierarchy at Chelsea exactly what they feel. I think we have to be a little bit careful and circumspect as to why this whole edifice crumbled. I don't think it was because the couple of thousand fans outside Stamford Bridge made a lot of noise. I think they were part, their voice was important. Our voice was important. They were part of a global sense or spasm of outrage. Um, and the football clubs decided not to do it. Chelsea taking some credit for being the first to, to pull out because of that global outcry from media, from fans, from supporters, and as I say, from politicians and from people that are not even associated from football. It was a much bigger thing than a few fans because these clubs were looking at the commercial realities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I found fascinating was I spent a lot of that day talking to people in various places and um, a lot of younger fans who are actually quite outraged at Perez's remarks that younger fans can't cope with watching modern football and it's too boring and it's this and it's that. Um, and I, I found it amazing how emotive so many people that have kept quiet probably for a lot of their time about things, like you're saying, people who aren't even interested in football going, this is outrageous. The idea of, you know, no prom promotion, no relegation, just beats the whole spirit of competitive sport. For me, the biggest thing out of this was this was a power get grab within a power grab, particularly by Real Madrid and Juventus in the fact that we all know that Real Madrid are broke, basically. Um, and also, there's a jealousy uh, around about the, the Premier League being the best league in the world, the most competitive. In one single move, 10 clubs or 15 clubs or whatever it turns out to be end up with a huge amount of money for themselves and absolutely finish 
so much else that we love about the game. Yeah. So it, it, it was fascinating. I, mm. I mean, there's, there's so many ways you can go with this, but Real Madrid are in a problem. I, I think it's interesting that Perez is still going on, that all the clubs are actually still part of it, and there's a binding contract. I don't know how legalities work in these things. Well, I don't know how they're going to enforce it. You no, can't exactly. Make, you can't make someone play football. No, unless there's a, a three hundred million pound uh, euro fine attached to it. I mean, well, we don't know the ins and outs of this. I think I, Roman Abramovich and the Qatari prince that owns Man City and the Glazers and the uh, you know the guys that own Liverpool. Um, I think they can afford some pretty good lawyers, don't you? So I don't. I don't think that'll be an issue. Also, okay. There's a, there's another thing as well because we got that email from Chelsea the other day after everything had died down, and it was it was the <clears throat> it was the usual apologetic. We're so sorry. Now we've spoken to the fans. We realise our mistake. An email? You, Did you get an email? Yeah. Did I get an email? I don't know if I got an email. <laughs> Maybe I didn't get an email. Maybe they hate me, Kerry. Yeah. Or maybe you were the one putting the deal together. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it could be. No, I mean, it was basically, it was quite a long email. But what I know, I, I saw the statement, you know. But Yeah, no, they, they did this long email to, to selected fans. Great minds, I think. <laughs> um, but um, it's probably in your, in your junk, you know. But um, It probably is, actually. Yeah, it's worth, worth looking for. But I found it quite upsetting in a way, slightly offensive, in the fact that it was all about after the event, what we realised. Oh, and now we talk to fans. And you think, up until the moment this was publicly called out by everybody, these teams, these boards were happy to go ahead with this. And they hadn't had any input from fans whatsoever. My point is, is this just a case of being caught with your pants down, you say sorry, and then you go, oh, but, you know, now we've spoken to fans, it's brilliant, because we found this out. They could have found this all out beforehand. Um, do you think heads should roll somewhere on boards across these major clubs? Well, the problem is that these are private companies. So the only person that can make that call is the person that owns the club. So should Bruce Buck go? Probably probably he should you know this was a catastrophic uh decision that was made uh will abramovich sack him probably not you know so so it's it's slightly moot isn't it really yeah um, of course you know that you know but if you're asking me whether i would like to see some reparations in the term in, in terms of you know people paying paying with their jobs i i think so the only thing i would say about Chelsea and to a degree Man City what I've read is they didn't really back this 100% to start with what what their thing was they were afraid of missing out so they weren't prime movers in this but they were probably weak in the sense that they you know thought well if there's going to be a billion quid we might as well share in it we don't want to be left behind um so yes very culpable but they didn't they didn't lead it by all accounts and of course they were the first to put I'm making any excuses I'm not saying that this is acceptable at all but it is an interesting spin on the story yeah I, I'd agree with that um it, it doesn't make it any better but no, at least doesn't. we were the f- first to to go oh I think we've misread this because that's the other thing do you think that the English clubs thought that all we're doing is replacing the Champions League 
Do you think they understood the implication for the Premier League? Well, yeah, I think so. I think that ultimately the, 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 the implications for the Premier League, if it had gone ahead, was that the ESL would have been the prime competition. That would have been, that would have been the competition that, that they would have to focus their energies on. So basically they would be putting out potentially weakened teams in the Premier League. Premier League would have become a secondary competition. Yeah, which again goes back to uh, Perez's uh, need to destroy the the best league in the world and try and say this is the best league. Interestingly, in 1961, um, Bernabeu, who was the then chairman of Real Madrid, talked about, I can see down the line that we will have a European Super League. And he went to list the top sides at the time. You had Tottenham, ironically, who just won the double. He mentioned Manchester United and he mentioned Ream from France, who were big at the time. And that kind of shows, you know, the, the ludicrousness of having a non-promotional or relegational situation. Yeah, but also as well, you know, you, you nailed it when you said, how can it be a European Super League when Tottenham Hotspur are part of it? You know, yeah. they are not they are not an elite European football club. I mean, nobody can deny that they've got a lovely new stadium and they've got some name recognition, but they're nowhere near the, the sort of the, the brand, you know, the brand level of United, us, Liverpool or even City. You know, even though City are new boys on the block, I mean, in terms of brand recognition, I think they're much bigger than Tottenham and Arsenal to a degree. I mean, both of those teams have been a disgrace this season. Yeah, and, and what I loved was when they said they have another three clubs waiting in the wings, what odds must it have been that that was Rangers and Celtic? Well, there's that. Just... And, and also as well, it's important to point out that the, the only people that really come out of credit out of this is, is the Germans, who immediately yeah. went, we're not doing it. You know, Borussia Dortmund and, and Bayern Munich went, yeah, forget that. That's not happening. We're fan-led, fan-owned, and we're just not going to do it. So how can it be a European Super League when you don't have Bayern Munich in it, and to a degree, Borussia Dortmund? And then you don't have Ajax in it. You, you start looking at it. I know. You know it's you, a, it was a load of old nonsense. It was. It's, it's rightfully been, you know, sort of consigned to the, to the, to the basement of history, and we, we will never speak of it again. Well, I hope so. I hope so. But we, what we will speak about later is the fact that first out plays the people who set it all up. We play Real Madrid this week. Yeah. Um, so that, I, you know, if we will talk about the game later. But if there is anything I would love in the world would be to fly, be a fly on the wall in the uh, uh, place for all the executives, in the executive suite. Uh, when well, they I mean, ironically, other. ironically as well, that, that La Liga title race is insanely tight. Have you seen it? So they're now three points separating the top four teams in La Liga. Atletico are on 73, Real are on 71, Barcelona are on 71, and Sevilla are on 70. You know, anyone could win that. It's actually the most compelling league in Europe at the moment. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. for all that kind of we must destroy the Premier League. Actually, if you want a real proper title race, have a look at La Liga. It's amazing. Yeah, no, uh, it's it is ironic because it just normally isn't like that. You know, Atletico have muscled their way in the last few years into that. Um but yeah, I'd agree with you. It, it's it's quite a fascinating battle that one. But yeah, okay, well look, we should probably 
bury the European Super League. Let's and never speak of it again, Kerry, okay. because it was an abomination. And so, yeah, you know, I'm was. happy to kind of say, draw a line under it, move on. Let's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I do have a, I don't know about you, I still have a little bit of PTSD around it, don't you? I mean, certainly, I know we're going to come and talk about Brighton now. Didn't really pay an awful lot of attention to that game. No, I, I don't think anyone did. And okay, okay, one last thing. I would agree with you about the PTSD as well. Uh, do, what punishment should there be? I suggested if there's a financial one, all the money should go to grassroots football and lower league football um, and make sure it gets to places that really need it. And then whatever else they decide, bans for it. I can't see they'll ban us from the Champions League because that goes against everything they're trying to keep us in for. So... Um, I'm not sure. What are your thoughts? I haven't, I haven't, I haven't come up with a solution. I kind of like that idea of, um, you know, it being a financial levy, maybe that you know over a series of years that you know increases the amount of money that those clubs, those clubs pay to lower league football. Um, yeah. I think that yes. I mean, I think something that that you know that is that is going to add value to the football pyramid, you know, w- would be good. I mean, I jokingly said on social media that they, you know, Roman Abramovich should just basically buy everybody's season tickets this year. You know, it was kind of half joking, you know, but, but the idea that, you know, that, the you know, that we've been so disrespected as football fans, so disrespected of, uh, you know, they are nothing without us, Kerry. They are nothing, those football clubs. And I think hopefully this is a wake up call to them. I'm not looking for any kind of money personally but to give back a little bit to the football pyramid i think that's a good idea yeah okay moving on and yeah of course i think they, they're now not going to do it but they were about to announce a five percent rise in season ticket prices um yes they're frozen now yeah exactly <laughs> it is the least they could do let's the face very it. <laughs> very least they, <laughs> least could, they do. could do and that's what we got right but then after Peter Cech had managed to direct the traffic and speak to the fans, which was quite Poor an incredible Pete, Pete, sight. Pete, Pete, go out there and get that bus through, mate. <laughs> that was that one, wasn't it? <laughs> and he it, did. Really? And he did. Somebody you said, know. well, you know, how, how, you know, you say that you... Because I said, look, the you know, the Chelsea, ultimately, they don't really care about those fans standing in the road. They don't really care. That's not why they, that's not why they pulled it. You know, they pulled it because of the global media sensation. Of course, yeah. that was a culmination of fan discontent. Of course it was. But, you know, don't, don't make the mistake. Good that it was to see the, you know, the visible, vocal, uh, you know, sort of uh, protesting outside, outside the bridge. That was, that was all great. It, it wasn't that. Them. They didn't suddenly turn around and go... Bloody hell! There's a load of blokes with with self painted signs outside. We better pull this. That's not what happened. You know what I mean? It's like, and they didn't they didn't send Pete out to uh, or Petter out to uh, you know to to, to 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 reason with the fans over that. They sent him out to basically clear away for the team bus. That's why they sent him out there. So. Yeah, but look at the job he did. Fantastic. Great job. Great. I job. wish he hadn't. After what we then got faced with. I oh, mean, nice segue. Let's talk about this yeah. stupid game then. Uh, it was one of those proper Chelsea mess-ups. I mean, look, we, 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 we've found in, in the day since that the players were really unhappy about losing the possibility of playing internationally in World Cups and things, and I had gone to the board and it had been quite heated. So you can imagine, this is a weird day to suddenly go, someone says, oh, by the way, you're, you're, you're playing Brighton in a minute. Um I just it it just didn't look as though anyone's head was in gear. Uh, the team, I mean, he picked the team 
What were your thoughts about what went on there and what he picked? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, they had Kepa in goal. I suppose that that was a surprise. Um, Christian Suzuma, Rudiger at the back. Uh, Mount had to go into uh, the double six position alongside Jorginho, which I think raised a few eyebrows. Alonso back on the left wing back position ahead of Chilwell. Uh, James in on the right. And then uh, Ziyech and Pulisic. Pulisic sitting behind Kai Havertz, who was playing in the striker. So you looked at that and you thought, oh, shame about Mount being in midfield because he's so great in those forward positions. He brings so much energy to it. And I think, to a degree, so it proved. Yeah. Yeah, it it, it just it wasn't the right time to put him in that position. Maybe it was... I wonder if we didn't underestimate Brighton well, Kante, I think Kante, he wanted to rest Kante because I mean, yeah. I think, you know, I mean that, you know, he, he wanted to do that. Kovacic wasn't available. He had Billy Gilmore. I don't think he fully trusts Billy Gilmore at the moment. So you know, there wasn't there wasn't an awful awful lot of argument against it really from Tuchel's point of view. No, for sure. It just, to be fair, it just wasn't Mason's game. Um, I think he struggled with the position a little bit. I think down the line, maybe on a different day. Yeah, I'm sure he'll probably work it out. And he's the kind of player you expect him to work out why he didn't have his usual good game. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't the game for him. And no. uh, and, then, and, and and interestingly, just talking about the double sixes, they put a man on Jorginho. We've been saying it for weeks, haven't we? We've yeah. been saying, why don't managers do it? And they did. In fact, they put two men and they rotated and pivoted between between themselves about who was going to pick him up. And it really, really affected us. You know, we yeah. just couldn't we couldn't start that transition. I think that really showed the value of a, of a Jorginho in time and space. And Mount, unfortunately, just couldn't couldn't provide what Jorginho does, which is the outlet, that simple ball. You know, he didn't he didn't do that, so it didn't quite work for Mason. And you know, credit to uh, to the Brighton manager. You know, he um, you know he, he did the right thing you know, by 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 closing down that outlet. Yeah, absolutely. And we struggled to create chances. I think. Probably the best chance was Kurt Zuma, and that was about it, wasn't it? In the, oh, in the opening half, it was a dull, uh, dull old game, wasn't it? it oh, it, it was awful because, because once you got the news that yeah, it's all off the Super League, you thought that's it, we're going to go out there and show everyone exactly why they need us in the Premier League, and we're going to win by three or four. And of course, it just it just wasn't like that, you I don't know. Think anybody I mean, really wanted to play football? That's the thing. It's like nobody, nobody was really up for it, were they? they? You know, with that level of uncertainty and all those rumours and all that stuff going on, I can't imagine it didn't affect the players. Yeah, and I, I kind of felt. And also sorry. coming through that, you know, coming through that that those protests outside the, you know, in the in the team bus. Yeah, I mean that 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 must have made an impact on them. You know, they must have been thinking, Jesus, this is quite serious, isn't it? So. Yeah, exactly. It sort of hits home. And I, I kind of felt sorry for Tuchel because they're trying to draw him on it. And he's not in the same position of strength that, say, Guardiola is, who can say exactly what he thinks. You know, he's he's got to be careful. He's only been there a couple of months. I felt very sorry for Tuchel, actually. I, I thought I he did, handled it really well. He did, but I still think he got a little bit hung out to dry. What can he say? You know. No. He can't say what he really thinks, which is, this is all nonsense, which is what I'm sure he probably did think. You know, it's, He basically it's just, said, I love football, we all love football, let's just play football. That's basically what he said, didn't he? 
that's, a, that's absolutely it. Where else could he go? That's what I mean. You know, well, that's what I mean. I think he handled him. it really well because yeah. you're right. There was there were alligator traps everywhere for him, weren't they? If he if he'd have basically thrown Bruce Buck under the bus, that would have been tricky. I mean, if he'd have thrown Abramovich under the bus, that would have been the end. You know, if he'd have if he'd have um, come out and said, you know, that he was, you know, in solidarity with the board, that would have you know that would have really pissed the fans off. I mean, it was just so many traps around for him to yeah. fall into, and he just sort of went, no, I really like football. <laughs> that's kind of all he could say, wasn't it, really? So. No, that's, that's what I mean. I think he was in the loneliest place in the world that yeah. evening. You know, but um, I do like Thomas Tuchel. I'm not a big yeah, one. I, I know, like you, like to pour over the kind of pundit analysis after games and everything. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I like to go and get my tea after games, you know, or do something else when it's done. But I always look forward to his post matches. I think he talks so well. You know, he, we've said it before. He looks straight down the camera. He answers the questions. You know, he often voices what the fans are feeling. You know, he doesn't shy away from you know from from telling it like it is. And I think you know, from a manager, that's all you can ask, really. No, it's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, the game as it as it panned out, really nothing happened, and then suddenly tough, it looked as though one. we were going to lose. I know, it's a tough right? one to talk about, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, so I mean, we were, you know, Lalana and Welbeck both had oh, great mate, when, when Welbeck hit the post. It was oh. like, how did that not go in? Yeah, I know. We we were and Lalana. Kind of, I mean, Lalana going wide. I mean, that he, that should have been a goal. Yeah, that was exactly. a Werner like. Yeah. Oh no, has it become Werner like when people miss? Yeah, oh, dear. when they miss like that is. <laughs> but yeah, and then he thought, you know what? I'm happy with a draw tonight. A yeah. draw sounds like the greatest result we could possibly get. I mean, imagine if we'd lost that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean you know, we talk about PTSD. You know, if we'd lost that one. And, you know, it would have been, you know, so the fact that we got a draw out of it and, you know, other results went our way again. So it's all fine. It's all good. Yeah, it is. It's and to be of, fair, nobody will remember this game in a week's time. I can't even no. barely remember it now. I had to kind of look it up. So, yeah, when you look at our next 10 days, Real Madrid, Fulham, Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, it's nuts. And yeah, just lastly, I mean, Tuchel said it all for me at the end, you know, when he said, um, uh, you know, we made big mistakes, looked tired, mentally tired. And I think that said it all, really. It was just a game to get shot off. We got a point, move on. Yeah, There's I mean, nothing it, else the to players, see. The players have been asked a lot this season, haven't they? They've had to cope with the change in a manager. You know, a, a manager in which a lot of them placed a lot of faith, you know, who'd nurtured them, who'd brought them through. They had to cope with a new manager coming in. They've, they've had to win their... Spurs again and win the trust of that manager they've had to play in some really big games in really difficult circumstances they're fighting on three fronts you know I'm not surprised they're mentally tired I mean I often don't have a lot of sympathy for very rich footballers but you know in this case I think we've asked an awful lot of the players this season yeah it's true um I have one Dull, just to show the dullness of the game, I have one superbly dull fact for you. Go on. Kepper has now kept five clean sheets in a row in all competitions for the Blues, as many as he managed in his previous 18. Mm. Dull. There you go. Well, I mean, you know, one thing you but, can say is nobody can score against us. So, apart from West Brom, obviously. But, you know, I mean, apart from West Brom, I mean, it's still a remarkable defensive record. Well, when you think that at the beginning of the season, we're going, 
Oh my God, what's this going to be like? We've got no one who can defend. Well, we've got Thiago Silva. Um, he should be good. And we weren't thinking we trusted anyone. Um, and now look at us. We've got a surfeit of players who seem to be up for it. And Fikeo Tomori over at AC Milan is having an absolutely storming season. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, he may actually be the biggest mistake we make if, if we yeah. really can't get him back. Well, we can't really, can we? Because there's a there's a buy clause. So yeah. Um, as far as I know, I don't know these things, but I mean that's what that's what I read. Um, look, I, I just think it's um, you know I think Tuchel's done an amazing job defensively. I mean the, the football is a bit dull at the moment, but I think it's pragmatic football. Um, you know, he would argue that we've created a bit like Klopp argued when Liverpool. Um, you know, played over the weekend. You know, they created tons of chances. They just can't put them away. And I think that we, our finishing has been really poor. And you know, what kind of a team are we going to be when we get our finishing right? Because yeah, exactly. we definitely create create chances. And I think that's all you can ask at the moment. Some of the football's been really turgid, but it's been turgid by necessity. You know, you're, you're yeah. fighting on three fronts. You're trying to progress, trying to move forward. It's not exhibition football. It's not there for entertainment. It's there as a means to an end. And the ends are to win the FA Cup, to win the Champions League, and to get into the top four. That That's yeah. what it is. Sometimes you have to play pragmatic football. Yeah, look, especially at this end of the season, nobody's expecting flowing football when you've got crucial and critical games. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. At least, you know, we are fighting still on three fronts, unlike some teams who've had a cup final, <coughs> and even with a one at the end of the year, has done them no good whatsoever. God. So. It's the, hope, know, that's that, the hope that kills you, Spurs fans. Absolutely. Well, if it's the hope that kills you, they've died several times over. Yeah. Right. Okay. We should go to the commercial break and we'll be back after this. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. All right, Andy, we, we moved on from Brighton to uh, an evening kickoff on Saturday against West Ham United. Now, I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you because... Your family's all West Ham fans, isn't it? Yeah, um, man. Born within uh, a mile of the ground, me. <laughs> well, I started getting, I started getting little messages from West Ham fans. I can't remember the last time that happened. Oh, this is it. This is the big fourth place battle today. Are you ready for it? Are you, you know, and getting lippy. And I thought, I'll just, I'll just keep my powder dry. We'll just see. Let them have their little moment in the sun because they have been. Pretty fantastic this this season. Of course, I put that all down to the fact they've had none of their own fans there at all, um, which, of course, their own fans can be fairly off-putting. But this was actually a six-pointer and a very important game. Yeah. Um, 
How are you feeling about it? And did you get to speak to your family at all? I didn't speak to my family. It's never it's never a good thing to do that before a game. Um, uh, I what was I feeling about it? I was feeling that we had to win it. We had to win it. There was no no compromise to be made here. Draw's not good enough. You know we have to do this if we're going to be serious about the top four. You know we talked about how we could potentially overhaul Leicester. You know Leicester have got a game in hand. They're one point ahead of us. So you know theoretically they're four points ahead of us. There's six games to play. West Ham are now three points behind us on the same number of games. Liverpool are now four points behind us on the same number of games. We're probably well we're not going to catch Man United and Man City. So it's basically between us, Leicester, and West Ham. Liverpool don't seem to have the form to be able to do it over the next six games, so, uh, five games. So um, I don't know. It's 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 tight, isn't it? It's it's you know it's it's something to be interested in. Um, you know it, they're always tricky. I mean, we've had some horror shows against West Ham, absolute horror shows, particularly at their new stadium. And then when you look at the team, Mendy came back, which I think was a relief to everybody. Thiago Silva came back. Uh, Christensen and Rudiger either side of him in the back three. Chilwell came back. Azpilicueta at the right wing-back was an interesting one, I thought, uh, having played uh, in the centre-back, one of the centre-back positions this season mostly. Kante back, which was a sigh of relief. Jorginho next to him. Um, Mason Mount moving forward into that front three alongside Pulisic and Werner getting the nod in the number nine position. Yeah, I, it, it was a, an interesting team pick. And I guess that Azpilicueta uh, choice was the one that a lot of people questioned. Um, he said that he wanted more height at the back, hence the three big men at the back. Um, but, oh, so no, I was surprised that he didn't pick Alonso then, if that's what you yeah, wanted. Yeah, exactly, because because that would have made sense. But he, I, I, I think Chilwell, I mean, he's somebody, yet again, we talked about him last week, I do think he's become such a consistent player. Oh, he's the I best think, right back we've had since Ashley Cole. He's he's well, really really good. Well, he's a, the best left back. I think you mean. Sorry, I'm um, left back. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the best left back. But he's do you know also what it is? Because the... I'm looking it on screen, and yeah, he's on yeah. the right hand side because it's upside down. If you see what I mean. Yep, I do. <laughs> but, but also, I think he's the best wing back, left wing back we've got as well, and had. Yeah. Um, he he is working his way into being proficient. And nearly excellent at both of those roles. Yeah. So yeah, I can see. I, I I just think it's brilliant the way he's he has actually shunted Alonso back to being. There's no doubt about it. You fill in when I need a rest. Yeah. And and I think that's the case. Dave, I have to say, I guess he was worried about um, being defensive minded. Uh, to a greater or lesser extent on the right hand side mm. and you know he was in there to 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 make himself known but actually he got forward a hell of a lot the only time he really missed out there was a ball that got played to Fredericks I think it was and they were about level and honestly in 0.6 seconds Fredericks was about four yards five yards ahead of him and and you feel sorry for him because you know that that is not his 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 best role being a fast man racing around i'd love to see the kilometers covered though because dave was it Fredericks seem- or was it lingard 
No, no, it's Fredericks. Yeah, because Lingard definitely. roasted him as well at one point, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. No, yeah. it was in the yeah, it was over the far side. Yeah, yeah. When we were watching, I think so. you're right. It was Fredericks? Yeah, but I yeah. mean, you know, they're, they're pacey, aren't they? Fredericks and Lingard, yeah. four hours to a degree. You know, uh, yeah. Bowen's got a little bit about him. They're, you know, they they are, you know, they they are. That's why they've done so well this year is that they're so fluid in their play. Um, and you know, Lingard's made a huge difference to them. But some of those players, Suchek, Kufal, I mean, they've they've really sort of upped their game. So I, this was a game not to be taken lightly. No, absolutely, and and I just thought we set ourselves up well. We we I actually thought we played well. Yeah, we did. I, I I think we just everyone did their job. Everyone knew what they had to do. We snuffed a lot of things out. We hunted in packs. We moved forward. And yeah, you know, it, it was it was a tough game, but one that I think we deserved to win. And I think we were lucky that Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio. Masuaku, you know, and and some of those other players weren't playing. To be honest, I think yeah, that, you know sure. we got we got them at a good time. I'm not I'm not knocking Chelsea's performance because you're absolutely right. I think it was a really professional performance. It was you know we had to do a job and we did it when we executed the plan. And I think that's that's what I really loved about the Tuchel reign is this idea that there's a plan and we execute it. And sometimes it's not pretty, and sometimes it's a little bit dull, and sometimes it's a bit overly pragmatic, but it gets the job done. And if ever there was a a game where we had to get the job done. This was it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And like, I guess another player who really summed up sticking to the job, getting on with it, Timo Werner, who yet again, we see one step forward, two steps back. I, I mean, he is... Well, was it two steps back? Is that is that a little bit harsh? Maybe one for, one step forward, one step back? I don't think it was two steps back. I think he he played really well in that game. Oh, God, no, don't get me wrong. What, what I'm saying is the one thing, even when he's not scoring, he has never done anything other than work for the team. Mm. He's never let it affect him. He's, he just keeps on going. But, you know, Did you see him. his post-match? Yes. When he basically yeah. said, well, maybe if I'd have got two, that would have been, you know, that would too have been much. unreasonable too <laughs> yeah, much. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. I mean, I do like them in Germans with a sense of humour. Who knew? But, you know, it was, yeah. uh, you know, I, the, the miss, the miss was pretty terrible, but he took yeah, his goal was. well. Oh, get, so, you know, well. you're, scoring he, a goal, you're scoring a goal in a game, you know, that basically wins us the game. You know, that'll do me. Oh, I'm fine with that. Ab- absolutely. No, I, and, and also in that goal, the way he held up the ball, yeah, and and played it to Pulisic, who then played it out to Chilwell. It's only his then... finishing, his, oh. his build-up play, his awareness, his movement. He's got better movement, I think, than than any striker that we've had in in living memory. I think his movement is fantastic. You remember how we always used to criticise Costa's movement? You know, he always never attack the six-yard box, or you know, Chever or any of these millions of strikers that we've had. Um, you know, I mean, Drogba's movement was pretty good. Um, but but apart from that, you know, having someone who's just able to sense and make space in the box, if he can just apply the finish, he'll be dynamite, Kerry. Yeah, I, look, I, I really hope that he gets a fair crack of the whip again next season because I think, I think if he gets through this season, I mean, hell, you know, he could win stuff as well. You know, I, I really hope that we get to see a lot more of him because I think he will get better and better. He's got the right attitude. You know, sometimes you see players and you think, oh, I don't think this is going to work out for you. This isn't the right club for you. But I've never felt that about Werner. I think 
I think this is the right club for him. Yeah. And I think he can do great things here. So, yeah, you know, and the, but that miss just when you're going, yes, you've turned it. It was a bit like Kai Havertz the other week with scoring that goal and then suddenly doesn't get it together in the second half when he yeah. should be on cloud, cloud nine. Um, and, yeah, Timo Werner, I mean, bless him. What a horrific miss. Yeah. I mean, it just was. You know, you could you can argue it that well. You know, the keeper went this way; he just went. That, but you, you, you know, can't that, argue. You know, you a, an elite striker should bury that. Yeah. You know, okay. uh, if you if you look at if you look at you know elite strikers in and around the Premier League, you'd say that if you're an elite striker, you bury that. Yeah. And I, mean, I, again, I think I think there's something in there that could make him an elite striker. I think he'll be slightly different to you know some of the other players in the Premier League. I think. You know, perhaps he isn't that central player that we thought he was. Perhaps he is somebody who plays in a front three, coming in off the left, or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Maybe he is. But there's something about Timo Werner that I've always liked and I continue to like. You know, you just hope that scoring that goal is another case of just he's got to get his eye in. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how it develops. But I'm positive about Timo. Yeah, I me think too. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be all right. Yeah, me too. Um, th- that's that's what I think. Um, the other thing I, I, we have to say, normally I would say any red card for the opposition is oh, a red card. It's a joke. Ah, uh, sorry. What what? This is the first case of somebody being sent off for kicking a football. It was ridiculous. I think even when when you saw it in real time, when you saw it in slow motion, you're like, where's his foot supposed to go exactly? Yeah. You know, could you argue that it was out of control? I suppose if you were to take it from the written word, technically, you could argue it. But, you know, I mean, I'm not the first person to say it. There's no practical application that I can see of that particular incident that adds up to a red card. I just can't see it. If it had been one of our players, I would have been outraged. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was pretty outraged anyway, but, you know, I'm saying that, you know, I, I, it's, it's just ludicrous. And then, of course, you know, it happened, you know, it happened about 10 minutes later and nothing was given. There was no consistency. No, exactly. You know, it it just, I don't know, I despair. It, it really has got to, it's a bit like that Callum Wilson goal for, oh. for Newcastle. Well, that was a goal. It was a goal. I mean, I was speaking to a Liverpool fan, you know, uh, this morning. He was like, it was a goal. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody would have would have kind of like shouted from the rooftops and, and, and cried foul if that had been given. You know, I don't think any Liverpool fan would have turned around and said, well, that's a handball. It clearly wasn't. No, you know, something's got to happen. Something's got to happen. I mean, too many things trying to ruin our game at the moment. I don't want to be one of those, oh, VAR, you know, get rid of VAR. Because I think there's 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 potential with VAR. There's bits of VAR that I think have, have added to the game. But there's got to be some level of, you know, reality and pragmatism applied to it. Because we can't go on like this. Yeah. And do you know who the last West Ham player who was sent off against us was? Sent off against us? Decanio? Yeah. Oh, well done. Was it? That was an applause. absolute, that was a total guess. Yeah, no, brilliant. That was but only because he's a mentalist. Yeah, he really was. Oh, Scored that incredible miss... goal against us as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Don't you just miss fascists in football? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't say no. that. People will think oh. you're being serious. Oh, no. Yeah, okay, disclaimer. I am not being serious. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Don't well, you just don't uh, you just you know don't you just miss a few C Kyles you know in Rome? Don't you just miss those? You know, don't you oh miss like fascist God. tattoos? 
Yeah, I know. It's it's just horrendous. I found all that out. You know, I was I was shocked. I have to say. So do you yes, only well, push that referee over. Yeah, absolutely. That was act. I know we shouldn't say this, but that was one of the most hysterical and out of order things I've ever seen in football. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, it was against Chef Wednesday, or was yeah. it for Sheffield Wednesday? He was playing for Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, that's. It was just unbelievable. I mean, it was just so beyond the line. and It was just like, oh, hold on, what have I just seen? It's right up there with Cantona, Kung Fu kicking Palace yeah. fans, isn't it, really? Um, as yeah, When you think about a game that is played so regularly, we don't get that many shocking incidents in it in, in a strange way. You would think there would be more scope for... Real nuts things. I mean, well, we I, see think, a... I think the, the game has become incredibly professionalised, isn't it? And I think that, yeah. but not having fans in the ground probably adds to that. You know, if yeah. you, you have, you know, if you have a more sort of febrile atmosphere, particularly under the lights on a Wednesday night, you know, European game or whatever, then crazy things tend to happen. They don't tend to happen in small, you know, under underpopulated stadiums, do they? They just there's no there's no energy there to kind of contribute to that. So I think when we get fans back in the stadium, hopefully hopefully more craziness. <laughs> we I like, will see. Who doesn't like a bit of craziness, Kerry? No, it's true. It's true. Get rid of the anodyne and get the passion going again. Yeah, That's what I say. Well, yeah, I mean, so this week we've got coming up the first semi-final, first leg. Um, oh, can I just say before that, We've already had one semi-final of the Champions League involving Chelsea. Um, we were Chelsea women were playing against Bayern Munich away. We lost two one, but wow, it was a tough game. It was a it was a great game to watch. When was that? That was yesterday afternoon, uh, um, just before. Well, it was the same time as a cup final where it started at four and the cup oh, right. final was at four thirty. So I watched I watched Chelsea, of course, and then turned over just when Man City scored. So. It all worked out for me in a weird Lovely way. Day. Yeah, absolutely. But we got an away goal. Um, performance was solid. Uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be hard, the second leg. But come on, we can get there. Can you imagine a Chelsea men and women's double Champions League win? That'd be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that just be the greatest thing ever, that'd ever, be, ever? That'd be brilliant. But now you've yeah. said it, it won't happen. You've jinxed it. Well, sorry about that. But I have to I have to point out the possibilities. <laughs> so, you know, that's all. I'm just doing my job technically. Um, so, yeah, Real Madrid away. Now, this, this has got so many things, so many hidden stories. You know, as I said, what's it going to be like in the boardroom before the game? Are they all going to have a laugh about it or is it going to be a bit of a dust up? Um, you just don't know. Um, and then we've got, we get to see Thibaut Courtois again. And also, I think we're going to see Eden Hazard at some point because he got 15 minutes over the weekend mm. for Real Madrid about the first time in about two years or however long ago it was. Signo Hazard. Yeah, you know, so he's uh, got to go after his ankle and in the first few minutes, check it out. What a terrible thing to say, Kerry. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah, it's true, sadly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's your views? This Real Madrid game, it's it's just a classic, isn't it? Because And this is the whole point, you know, about the, the Super League and the fact that I want to be thinking, my God, we're playing Real Madrid. 
We haven't played them for years competitively. This is exciting. Imagine if you're playing them three or four times a season. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, it is. It's, it's, it's a kind of magical fixture, really, because you say we it haven't is. we haven't played them. So, uh, And we all know all about them. We know all their players. We know what they're like, but we haven't played them. So this is a great test for us, a great test for Thomas Tuchel. It's a great test for, for the players. I don't think this is a vintage Real Madrid side. They're not to be underestimated because they still have some serious players. I don't think they're that good defensively. Do we know if Varane and Ramos are back? Because they were out, but, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they, they're good, but I, I think we can get at them. Um, they're pretty good going forward. Look, I mean, it's Real Madrid. I mean, you'd be crazy not to think that they are. You know, they're probably the favourites. And if we can, you know, if we can nab an away goal, keep the keep it keep it low. I, look, I mean, who knows? I just think it's exciting. I'm excited by it. Yeah, but this is the great thing. I, I like the fact that we're back to being an underdog. I think it suits us so much better. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually, in a weird way, more worried about Fulham on, on the weekend. In a, in a, do you know what I mean? I know that sounds silly, but this seems like a free hit. It's a bonus, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, none of us could have expected being in the Champions League semi-final. I would have loved to have been able to go. I mean, I would definitely have gone to, to the oh, yeah, Bernabeu. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's somewhere Super. I've never been. and I'd, like, I'd really like to have been at the game. But oh. uh, there you go. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a biggie. And, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how we deal with it. But, yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing game to be playing. It deserves to be played in front of fans. Like every football game, actually, mm. but this this one's got the magic about it. I'd be very interested to see. I think we kind of know. Shall we? Shall we try and predict Thomas's side? We always get it wrong, but um, okay. I think I, you go on. You will do okay. player by player. I'll start Mendy. Mendy. No, I'll start. <laughs> I'll start Mendy. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm going as Piliqueta. Okay, I'm going to go uh, Rudiger. Yeah. And then, oh, oh, God, I'm going to go, well, it depends if Tiago's fit and happy. Um, I'm going to go for Tiago. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Reese James. Okay, so we're doing the wing backs first. Mm. Well, Chilwell. Uh, Kante. Yep. And Jorginho. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Pulisic. <laughs> Pulisic. I'm going to go Havertz. Uh, and I'm going to go Mount. There you go. So it'll be interesting. I just get the feeling that Havertz has been sat out because he's going to play tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Werner will get the nod. But I just get the feeling that's the way he's leaning, that yeah. it's... I think he likes it in the game. in the yeah in the more technical and and European games. I think he like I think he likes the Havertz thing, but we'll see. We'll see. It always brings a surprise, doesn't he? So you yeah, know, it'll be it'll be good to see. Uh, we can do predictions. Yeah, I, I guess we should. I'm I th- gonna. Oh, I'll go on. on you go. go. Uh, I'll go for. I'll go one all. Oh, I'm going to go one all. That's what I was going to go for. Okay, I'm going to let you. Um, okay, yeah, I, I think it, I think it'll be tight. I I'll think, be happy I with think, that. I, you know, away yeah, goal. I'll be really happy with one all. I think we can score, but we can't score many. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And then we come back down to earth with a West London derby against the mighty Fulham. How do you see this one panning out? Just hope well, we've got clear heads. Well, they're bottom three. I mean, they played 
sort of interesting football at the beginning of the season. They seem to have tailed off a little bit now. They've only got 27 points from their 33 games. They're five adrift of Burnley. You've got a game in hand over them. So they look dead meat at the moment and, and relegation bound. Um, I, I mean, I guess they're still scrapping, so they're going to be a dangerous cornered animal. So we can't take it lightly. And we saw what happened when we played West Brom, and who were also in a similar position. Um, so I think I'm slightly concerned that it's the game after a big Champions League game, you know. Um, so I, I think we should win it, but I don't think it'll be comfortable. I think I think two nil. Two nil. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go for. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for three one. Okay. Yeah, that's, there we go. Right, well, that's it. We're just about out of time. Um, yes, we've got through another week. One more week to go coming up, and it's a cracker. It's a cracker. We're going to be playing Real Madrid in the Battle of the Boardrooms. Um, so, yes, Andy, if people want to get in touch with us, how can they do so? Uh, you can get in touch with us via Twitter on at Chelsea Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on at Mr. A Saunders. You can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy, which is C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. On Instagram, it's at the Chelsea Podcast. I'm on at one true Saunders and Kerry is at Kerry Levy one. There you go. That's it. We're out of time. So until next week, it's up the blues. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>